Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. Good morning. How are you? Oh, you good now, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so a preacher that um, I grew up listening to, he had this saying where he said, well, if that didn't light your fire, then you've got wet wood. But <laughs> yeah, but I would submit if we go back to the prophet Elijah, God can do a whole lot with wet wood. So even if you're like, wait, I don't, I don't get what's going on here. Just give God a minute, okay? Y'all, so glad that you're here in person. Thank you for joining us online. I love that we have this kind of technology that keeps us connected. No matter where we are, I love that it's summer and people are traveling. That's always exciting, especially after the year and a half that we just lived together. Uh, so I'm so glad that, that we have this technology, but not just so that it can go with you wherever you go, but so that you can come back to it. Every week I have the privilege, I get to listen to the message from our pastor or whoever's preaching this uh, on, on Sundays, I have the privilege of getting to hear it three times every single Sunday. I, I love that because I learn something new every time. I feel like I listen with a different ear, even back to back to back like that. But this, this technology allows us to, to be here and be present in the moment. Maybe you're gonna, even gonna take notes, you know? We've got those notes on the Vintage Church app that, that you can go back to. You can email to yourself and keep them forever in your inbox that has all those unopened emails. Well, I know, I live that life too. Uh, but I love that, that this technology allows us to come back because so often I think we come into this space and we get to sing these songs and we're like, yes, Go, Jesus. And we hear a message, and you're like, yes, I'm, my life is going to be different. And then we walk out these doors, and we walk back into our, our jobs, and back into our, our homes, and back into the relationships, and, and whatever was going on, and, and we kind of forget what happened here and what we learn together as a church. And, and I believe, because I've experienced it personally, kind of from, from both sides, from, from your seats and from this place, that God has a word for our church. And if we only hear it one time, it won't change us the way that God wants us to be changed. So my challenge for you is go back, not because I'm preaching, okay? even when Matt does too. Go back, listen, I know, I give you permission. Matt's, that's good, you know. Um, <laughs> go back, listen again. You'll hear something new. Take the word with you. I have, a, I have a garden. I'll brag about my garden all day long. I love, I love seeing like these tiny seeds become these huge plants that produce beautiful fruit. I'm dying for my tomatoes to ripen, but it's not gonna happen for another couple weeks, so there you are. But. I know that if I watered my garden only one time a week, it would not bear fruit. If I only watered my garden once a week, the plants would wither. I mean, gosh, y'all, we live in the hottest part of the state, it feels like. It, it, my poor little cucumber plants would just, you know, droop because they need water. They need so much care. And so do we as believers. We've spent nine weeks 
talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And if the only time we are, are praising the Lord, the only time that we are opening a Bible or reading His Word or considering His truth, if the only time that we're doing that is in this hour that we have together today, I promise you, you will not see that fruit grow in your life. So how, from, from right now, maybe this is just what you need to know, what you need to hear today. How, after today, how every day are you going to seek out the Lord this week? What's your daily relationship with Him going to be like? Because if we're gonna keep in step with the Spirit, if we're gonna remain in, in the love and under the authority of Jesus as Lord in our life, what does that look like? It, it has to look like more than just showing up here once a week. So with that said, you know that we've been in the book of Galatians since the week after Easter. Can you believe that? Since April, we have been in this beautiful book that Paul has written to a church that he planted, a church in Galatia. And throughout our plain and, yeah, plain and simple series in in April and May, we really started studying that book of Galatians. We made it all the way to chapter five when we, we come on that, that hallmark passage, you know, of, of the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We come to the, the beautiful peace and we think like, whoo, well, Paul, you've gonna, given us the good stuff, so we're out. Instead, we spent nine weeks going through each of those characteristics and quality of the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Why was it so important that we understand what each of these different qualities of the fruit looks like? Well, Paul, thankfully, he tells us why in Galatians chapter 6. A lot of times when we, we read Paul's letters, we get to the end and they're, you know, it's a, it's a lot of, hey, love you guys so much. Make sure you tell this person hello. I thought this person, you know, is not feeling good. Hope, you know, praying that they get well soon. And it's sort of some, you know, some sentimental personal remarks. And so a lot of times when we get to the end of Galatians or the end of any letter, we just sort of like, blah, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good. Now, now let's go on. Let's, let's go on to the next big thing, right? But we would be missing so much if we didn't lean into Galatians chapter six today and see how Paul so poignantly ends Galatians in this chapter six. So let's, before we get into chapter six, I want us to look at one verse in chapter five. Oh, and here I am, haven't even opened my Bible yet. Y'all go ahead, go ahead and open your Bibles. We're gonna be in Galatians 6, and then any other scripture, it'll all be on the screen for you, of course. Um, where am I? Oh, okay, here we go. I do have a bookmark, but, you know, here's, we're, we're just rolling with the, you know, sword drill life. All right, did you guys ever do sword drills? You know what that is? You, you, yes, you, you hold your Bible like this, and then they tell you a, a, a scripture reference, and then you race through, through the Bible to see who finds it first. Yeah. Sounds like a great time, doesn't it? <laughs> I didn't sell that very well. All right, so let's look at Galatians 5, 14. So Paul has, has written to the Galatians because he went and he preached the gospel, the gospel that was given to him directly from Jesus himself. 
And then he's doing this because there are these people, these other Jewish people who have come in and say, yeah, 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 Jesus is great and all that, but you also need to be circumcised. And Paul says, no, no, Jesus is enough, okay? It's just Jesus. It's, it's not Jesus plus something. It's just Jesus. And he says, if somebody's preaching to you another gospel, it's not a gospel at all. It's not good news. And he talks about how, how we have freedom in Christ, that we are heirs to the promise because we are sons of Abraham. And then he says this in Galatians 5 verse 14, it says, for the whole law, now all, all up through Galatians, when he says the law, he's talking about the Mosaic law, those laws that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai with all the fire and smoke, okay? He says, the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself, okay? The whole law, y'all, the Levitical law, it's not not a small thing. But he says the whole law is fulfilled in this, love your neighbor as yourself. And then after that, he goes on to talk about the flesh and the spirit, and they're always at odds with each other. And the challenge that you will have in fulfilling this law of loving your neighbor as yourself is that your flesh will always try to override your spirit, that they are always going to be opposed to one another. He tells us the obvious desires of the flesh. When when you're living in the flesh and you're always propping up those things that you want, that you prefer, this is what it's gonna look like. And he lays out all these things. And then he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. But if you want to live by the spirit, then you have to keep in step with the spirit. If you want all of those things, then you have to walk with the spirit. And then he warns, he says, and look, but don't, don't start envying each other. Don't compete with one another. Don't provoke one another because, and then he says in Galatians 6, 1, he says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual Restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Let us not give up. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. 
Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us all work, or let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. You see, he goes right into this from the, the fruit of the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is necessary in order to practically carry out living in community with other believers. I mean, those first three words in Galatians 6 are brothers and sisters. He's writing to us, to all of us. Paul never even imagined that you would have the whole, this whole book in your hands. All he knew was he was writing a letter to a whole church. And he reminds us again, the reason you need this fruit is not for you personally, but it is for you collectively, brothers and sisters. We live in a highly individualistic society. And, and while we are indi individually responsible for what we do with our lives, we are also deeply connected and responsible for the care of one another here in the body. And through those 10 verses, Paul outlines a whole lot of different things that we should see if we possess the fruit of the Spirit and we are living that out as a body of Christ. He says, this is what you'll see. You'll see accountability. You'll see restoration. You'll see correction. You'll see cooperation, people working together. You'll see people carrying burdens, carrying their own burdens, yes, but also carrying the burdens of others. That you will be able to examine your work, that you'll be able to honestly bring whatever you're doing before the Lord to examine it, that, that you don't compare your work with someone else. That, he says, if, if you've got these, this fruit of the Spirit, it's because you've been taught the Word. And that because you are taught the Word, that you will share your good, the, all good things is what it says, all good things with the one who teaches you. These things should be present. This is what our community as believers should look like if that fruit of the Spirit has grown in us. I love, there's so, Y'all, there's a whole sermon that could be preached in those 10 verses, and I won't do that to you today uh, because we've got some other things that Paul really drives home. But you need to see where he says that verse two, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. I love that because we read that carry one another's burdens, and my first thought is, oh, I got enough burdens on my own. I, I'm, I'm carrying enough without picking up anything from anybody else. I mean, like this summer, y'all, okay, we've got amazing babysitters, but this summer, because of all kinds of things, we were without childcare for a few weeks. So I called my mom and my husband's mom and we said, hey, look, we need some help this summer. Now listen, they've got jobs, they run businesses, they've got other responsibilities, with, with their own lives, and it would have been absolutely understandable if they would have said, I, I'm sorry, I can't help. But instead, they took off work. They, they did all kinds of things to arrange so that our kids could, you know, not be latchkey kids and, and have a good time this summer. And I, I'm here as a testimony of somebody else 
carrying my burden, even though they had their own burdens to carry. And Paul says, this is how you fulfill the law of Christ. That that whole law that we talked about, loving one another, that it's fulfilled by carrying one another's burdens. This seems rather simplistic, doesn't it? But when you, when you carry someone else's burdens, that happens two different ways. One, it asks because somebody's asked you. Somebody's called you, somebody's talked to you and said, hey, I really need help with blank. And then you step up and you're like, I can do that. But it also happens when because you live in intentional relationships with one another, that you notice the need and you answer it without ever having to be asked. And it doesn't have to be big. We think, oh gosh, like, well, they're burdened with a mortgage. Does that mean I need to pay their mortgage? Well, if you feel so called and are equipped to do that, absolutely you can. But maybe it's just, hey, I have a, I have a friend who's, you know, getting her master's right now and she's covered up and, you know, this, or this friend over here, they've been, you know, building a house and doing all kinds of, you know, stuff that she works and maybe I can make dinner for them. Did she ask? Nope. Do I know she eats? Yep, maybe I can just make dinner for them. That's helping to carry a burden without even having to be asked. We, another example, uh, this summer, we had a deer hit our car. We didn't hit the deer, it hit us like right in the side. Uh, and Goosey Kennedy, he let us borrow a truck for weeks. It, that is absolutely absurd. Like that somebody would love us enough to do that. I am here as a testimony of other people having carried burdens for us. That's what we do as the body of Christ. We bear one another's burdens and in doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ. And like I said before, at every point up to this, when Paul talks about the law, he's talking about the Mosaic law and here's where it switches. He says, you're not under the Mosaic law, you're under the law of Christ, and this is how you fulfill it, by loving one another, by caring for one another, by carrying one another's burdens. And then you, you know, this work that you do, you, you examine it before God. You don't compare yourself to other people. When we live in community and kind and caring community, we don't compare what we have and have not and done and have not done with someone else as if they are the measure no, God is the measure. And it's before God that we bring our work. And, and it's before God that he will evaluate as we examine what we're doing in our lives and, and who we are and what our intentions are. That's done before the Lord and not in comparison with someone else. And then he says in verse seven, and I don't want us to miss this. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. So first of all, that whole God, like don't be deceived, God is not mocked. What he's saying is don't think that you can live with disregard for this law. Don't think that you can ignore this command of loving your neighbor as yourself and dis disregard God completely and God not notice. 
I know sometimes it's, it's hard here on earth because we see these people who are clearly evil or clearly, even if they're not you know, overtly evil, they, they don't love God. They don't even acknowledge him. In fact, they, they mock believers. And they've got four different houses and a jet and they live until they're 99 years old. And you're like, God, did you, did you not notice that? And then here's this guy over here who is so faithful and so generous and he's got nothing and he's going through a terrible thing. So in our, sometimes in our own humanity, we see, okay, uh, I'm comparing this thing to this thing and this doesn't, this doesn't make sense. God, it feels like you've got this wrong, but it says, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, he will also reap. God, God notices, even if you feel like he doesn't. Let God do the God thing and you do the, the following God thing. And then it says that the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. I, I like that so much because a lot of times we think that when we walk with Jesus that it's gonna be easy, that our lives are, are just gonna be smooth. But it doesn't say that sowing to the spirit will reap an easy life, but that we will reap an eternal one. And Yes, we will have momentary trouble, but listen, I'll tell you, I will choose every single time an eternal life over an easy one. And we do that by continually walking with the Lord, even when we don't, like it doesn't make sense to us. Even when the, the way things are playing out doesn't, doesn't feel like God is paying attention. And then Paul says, don't, don't give up. Keep, keep going. Don't give up. Keep, keep doing good. Don't get tired of doing the things that you're supposed to do, the, the things that Christ demonstrated for you. You see, we spent nine weeks in the fruit of the Spirit because you have to have the fruit of the Spirit as your standard mode of operation in order to do all of these things consistently and to do them well. You know, we, we might look at this list and say like, well, I'm not doing that very good. I'm not carrying one another's... Ooh, like I, I don't do great with accountability. I don't give much accountability and I don't receive accountability very well. And hmm, what? okay, it's okay. All that means is that that fruit of the spirit isn't, isn't mature yet. It's still growing, let it grow. And all of these things that then are, are necessary for the body believers, they'll come. So remain in the spirit, keep walking faithfully. Now, here's what Paul does at this point. I love it. He does it uh, in a few different letters that he writes. Most of the time when Paul wrote a letter, he would use a scribe uh, because a scribe, that's like their actual professional job is, you know, writing. So Paul would sit here and he would say, you know, he would dictate and then they would, they would write it down. And a scribe would have a, you know, very neat, precise handwriting, could write very fast, like somebody who's a very good typer. There's a name for it and I don't know what it is. Um, but can type really fast without error. And then Paul says, okay, we're almost to the end of the parchment and there's something that I need to say. I'm gonna pick up the pen. And so Paul picks up the pen. And this is, this is the modern day version of when Paul sits down at the computer and we've had this you know, typist going da, 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 and everything is perfect and they never have to look at their fingers and all that. And then Paul, he sits down at the computer and he's like, caps lock on. Okay, 
I, no knock on anybody who types like that, it's fine. But he says in verse 11, he says, look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. He is caps lock on at this point. He's saying, I've got to say this and I need you to know that I'm saying this in my own words. He says, those who want to make a good impression in the flesh they are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cause, for the cross of Christ. For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, and yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. So when Paul picks up the pen, he says, okay, look, I've just told you. I've just told you how believers are supposed to live in community with one another, how you are supposed to love one another by bearing one another's burdens. And these people who are here telling you that you need to be circumcised, they're not here to lighten your load. They're here to make it heavier, not here to bear your burden, but to put one on you. They're asking you to carry a burden that they themselves are both unable and unwilling to carry. And the only reason that they want you to carry this symbol of conversion is because you then will fit more comfortably into all of these different, you know, religious and culturally acceptable circles. And then therefore, you'll, you won't be persecuted. You won't be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And you're like, well, that's not a bad thing, right? Because see, the Roman government at this point, they acknowledged the Jewish faith as, as a religion that was lawful to practice in, in the Roman Empire. And so these people were coming in and saying, you need to be circumcised because if you are, then you'll look like a Jew and then the Romans won't persecute you. You'll be safe to practice your religion. You'll be comfortable. But let me tell you, the only place that you will ever find comfort is in the cross of Christ. That is the only place that you will ever find comfort. And I know that seems counterintuitive because the cross seems like a pretty painful place. But you will never, as a believer, and you should never, fit comfortably into social or political or even some religious communities here on earth. If you're sitting among a group of people who claim a certain, you know, ideology, maybe, you know, it's, it's the Republicans and the Democrats and the Green Party and the Libertarians, you should never sit around and look, look at all of your fellow Libertarians and be like, we've got it right. All of them's got it wrong. I am perfectly comfortable here. Nothing here bumps up against my faith, the way that Jesus taught me, or the way that I'm supposed to love my neighbor in a selfless way, I feel, I feel great about that. Let me tell you, there is nothing that is man-made that will ever feel, that will ever be completely comfortable to somebody who is following Jesus, someone who is endeavoring to live and love like him. Jesus, we love that passage um, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Learn from me, 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You'll find rest for your souls. We love that. But the thing that we forget in it is that it is a yoke. It's not that we don't have a burden to carry, but the, the yoke that Jesus places on us is one that's made for just us. When, when a farmer would, would make a yoke to go on an oxen, they would want it to be as comfortable as possible and not, not rub blisters on it or fit it improperly because then they could continue to do the work that they needed to do. So yes, having a cross to bear, having a, a yoke upon you is gonna be heavy, but the one that's made for you is the one that's gonna help you to walk the best. Jesus, when he said, take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say take up my cross or take up that guy's cross. He said, no, take up your cross, which implies, and you know it, you have a, you have a cross to bear. You have a burden to carry. And so often I think we might look and we say like, well, can I, can I carry that guy's? I mean, her, her cross looks so much better than mine. Can I, can I just carry that? No. I promise you that no matter the cross that you carry, if you had an opportunity to look into the bag of burdens that someone else was carrying, you would not want to trade. Because God's kindest cross is the one that you are meant to carry. So as we carry that cross, as we submit to, to God's law, the law of Christ, we, we carry our cross and continue to walk toward him. And Paul says, he's like, all right, all these people are telling you to keep the law, cool, 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 keep that law. But I told you to how, how to fulfill the law of Christ. Just love one another, bear one another's burdens because Jesus bore yours. He bore your sin and your shame. He in fact nailed it to the cross. Before you were even born, before you committed a single one, he bore your burdens on the cross. So you do it. If you see that somebody has a burden, carry it, while you also carry your own cross. Law fulfilled, no circumcision required. And then he goes on in verse 14, he says, but as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. Now, this is significant here, y'all. He says, so these people, these Galatians, or these people wanted the Galatians to be circumcised so that they could boast about their flesh. But Paul says that the only thing that's worth boasting about is what Jesus did for us on the cross. And when we one day stand in judgment, even the best things that we've done here on this earth will rightly be small and insignificant compared to what Jesus has done for us. And that, that's what we claim. That's where our boast is. It's not in anything that we do, but it's in everything that he has done. And he says, the world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. It's sort of an extension of what we learned in Galatians 2.20, where Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. So now he's sort of extending that. He's saying, not only have I been crucified with Christ, but the world is crucified to me through the cross. That that what I once thought the world was and what it once thought I was is no longer. It is done. It's gone. You see, when we follow Jesus, we are not merely modified 
by Christ, but completely crucified with Christ. You see, following Jesus is not a makeover story where you get your, your face done and your hair fixed, and then you can you know, go home later and, and wash it off when you're ready to be comfortable. Following Jesus is, is not to borrow a, a phrase from Beth Moore. She says, following Jesus isn't a tweak, it's a killing. When he says crucified, he means killed. That, that you, your desires, the things that, that you long for, the things that you want, the things that you prefer, the things that you promote, all those things that you've saved up for, all of that, when you follow Jesus, is it's been crucified. You lay it to rest. And then you live for Christ. And if that sounds wildly radical to you, it's because it absolutely is. Your life, my life as a follower of Jesus should be radically different, radically different from people who don't claim to know God, who don't have that love of Jesus. It should be wildly different. This is something that, that wasn't new to them. They, they had, you know, if, if you were part of the Jewish faith, you had heard this before. And if you had been taught any, any part of, of the prophets or the Old Testament at all, Paul, Paul goes on in Galatians uh, 6.15, he says, for both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. He's saying, all right, you got some people who are circumcised and some people who are not, and they're both claiming that one is better than the other. Here, no, it's neither because what matters is a new creation. When we are crucified with Christ, we are made new in Christ. He says, Ezekiel, a prophet, this is but even before Jesus, he's, he's prophesying to the people of Israel, speaking on behalf of God. And he says in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 11, I will give them integrity of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh so that they will follow my statutes, keep my ordinances and practice them. They will be my people and I will be their God. Your life should be for following Jesus. Your life should be as different as a stone is from flesh. And I think that we live in a place that makes it really easy to just fall in line. To say, yeah, oh yeah, I still believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus, I, I, I love Jesus, I read my Bible. But you, your life looks like everybody else's. Even people who don't know Jesus. Your life, because of the wildly radical thing that Jesus did for you, for me, our lives should be radically different than the people around us. Through our generosity, through our kindness, through our patience, through our love. I feel like we've heard these words before. They are hallmarks of who Jesus is and therefore should be hallmarks of who we are. And then Paul leaves the Galatians with this beautiful ending that we cannot miss. All the way down in verse 18, 
He says this, brothers and sisters, reminding us again that we're a community, brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, amen. And we might read through that verse real quick. It's like, oh, that's a nice thing. But we've learned through this series that all the law did for Israel, all the law does for us is reveal the gap between who we are in our humanity and who God is in His glorious love and power. And so what Paul prays and hopes for the people of Galatia, and I think for us today too, was that the grace, the thing that we have not earned and do not deserve and get anyway, that grace will fill in the gap between who we are and who the Lord is, who we hope to be, that new creation that we hope to be. He says, y'all look, I know I've laid out a pretty high standard because Jesus is the highest standard. And even if you're walking in step with the Spirit, there will be times that you stumble. There will be times that you don't measure up. And in those moments, the grace of Jesus Christ will be right there as a soft, beautiful place for you to land and as a place that will be a solid foundation for you to stand up and keep going. Amen, so be it. Jesus, the example that you have set for us is more than I can even fathom. So God, I pray that that the Holy Spirit will go with us. God, that you will teach us to recognize his ways, that you will remind us that he is right here with us, that you, God, are here, that we walk and exist. It's in you that we live and that we have our being. Let us be cognizant of that. God, I pray that we remain in you, that you grow this fruit in us so that we can live this radically different life with people who know you and also set that example for people who don't know you yet. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you, God, for your word to us today. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Y'all, thank you so much for being here today. I love that we get to do this. I hope that you have a great week, that you'll let us know what's going on with you. Use that respond feature on the app. Let us know how we can encourage you and pray for you. We love you and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Vintage Church app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.